This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. You can uh, obviously hear it on BetRivers.com or YouTube, Apple, Spotify, uh, wherever you get your uh, podcast fix. So uh, a happy day here in New York, obviously with the Rangers thrilling, and it was thrilling, uh, overtime, Game 7, victory at the Garden. Having been in the Garden for some big hockey games, having been there for overtime Game 7s, there is uh, nothing with any more intensity than an overtime session in hockey in a game seven. Uh, and again, last night, uh, a thrilling finish for the Rangers who came from behind to win that series. And they caught a break when uh, Sid got hurt. No question. It kind of turned the series around, but that's what teams do. Uh, they turn series around. Ter- series can change at a moment's notice, uh, you see that in seven-game series. And the Rangers won this series despite some very erratic play, despite uh, really being very inconsistent on defense, uh, inconsistent with, with their forechecking, but they improved as the series went on. And I thought gained a measure of experience. You saw the young line flourish. You saw some of the young players flourish, and I think they grew up a little bit in this series. I think they got better as the series progressed, and I think it will hold them in a good stead going forward. But a uh, thrilling come from behind to be behind in the games like they were night after night, shake that off. Uh, people who watched them all season told me they came from behind a lot in the regular season. Well, that held them in good stead here because they came from behind time after time. Uh, were not uh, impacted by the score. And again last night, coming from behind, not every goal they gave up was great, but coming from behind and then winning it in overtime uh, with a terrific, terrific win. Uh, We'll preview their series uh, on a future uh, podcast. Matter of fact, we've got a lot of previewing this week. It's a very busy sports week, but we will preview that a little later in the week. Uh, Stunning. Absolutely stunning and shocking is the only description I have for what happened last night to the Phoenix Suns. I have egg on my face. I picked the Suns to win the championship this year. I thought they would. They won 64 games in the regular season. I thought they, in what was a very mediocre NBA with no LeBron James in the the playoffs, uh, I thought... This was going to be their year. It should have been their year last year when they collapsed in the finals. Well, this time they saved it and really came up with a collapse that not only will be remembered, 
it will be a game seven collapse that people use to describe any failure in the future. This was for a home team or a favorite in a game seven. This was the single worst performance by a favorite or a home team in a game seven in the history of the NBA playoffs. There are, you can go as deep as you want to describe how bad, just how completely putrid the Suns were in this game. Down 10 after one, down 30 at the half, and came out and watched it get bigger in the third quarter, down 42, 92 to 50 after three quarters. Remember, this is a game seven with a team that had won all the games played at home. This was a series where all the home team won every game. The Suns led two zip. They won every game at home. They were heavily favored last night. They were the number one seed for the entire league. And they sat in their building, were booed off the court at halftime, and rightly so. Their fans had left the building long before the fourth quarter was played. And the fourth quarter was a complete quarter of garbage time. Think about that. A game seven played with the home team not being in the game after the middle of the second quarter. The ramifications of this game are enormous. The Suns can no longer be looked at as a team that has a championship nucleus that they can build on. Booker will have to regain his status as a superstar after a performance last night that was 3 for 14 and was worse than that. You cannot be a player that is looked upon on that level because the guys that you're putting Booker with are all still performing at a high level in these playoffs. You're talking about Curry. You're talking about Butler. You're talking about Tatum. You're talking about even Doncic, who has been better than all of them. Well, Booker was a burgeoning superstar who took a huge hit last night. Bridges took a hit last night. Aiton took an enormous hit. Five points out of Aiton. And then forget the older guys. Crowder, who needs to go. Paul, who needs to retire. He didn't retire again last night after the second straight collapse by the Suns. This one, though, that one came in the NBA Finals. This one was so stunning, so bad, there's not even words to describe it. And he talked about coming back. I wouldn't want him back. In this series... In the first two games that the Suns won, he scored 23-5 a game. After that, in the last five games, four of which the Suns lost, he averaged nine points and almost four turnovers. And last night didn't hit a bucket until they were down 40 and was embarrassed defensively. Why would you want him to return? Everybody from soup to nuts, from Booker to the last man on the bench, the coaching staff, everybody will have to take hits for what happened last night. It was the most 
stunning performance ever by a big favorite in a game seven and will be one that they return to night after night. Think about it. They were down 10 and you said, all right, they'll come back. They were down in the second quarter, 15, 20, 25, 30 points at the half. And then 92 to 50 after three quarters. Forget they put up a cosmetic 40 in the fourth quarter to make it look like it was a game. I mean, make it look like it was a score you could live with. You can't live with this score. And this is a loss as a franchise you can't live with. It has to cause not just ripples. It has to cause huge, huge explosions inside that franchise. So now you're left with Tatum and the Celtics, and he's been great yesterday, Grant Williams. You had two players yesterday who just jumped on game sevens and went crazy. Grant Williams, who had more, almost doubled the, the three-point output by the Bucks. They had four. The Celtics had 22. Took 55 threes. He took 18 and made seven. Then Dinwiddie, all he did was put up 30 points against the Suns. In a game seven, he stepped up and put up 30 points to join Doncic, who was 35 and 10 in just 30 minutes of play. He would have gone for 50 last night if he had to. So I take the hit for picking the Suns. I deserve the grief. And the NBA world today is stunned by the absolutely Pitiful performance. Historically pitiful performance. That leaves you now with Dallas and Golden State, Boston and Miami, highly competitive series. Players that obviously you feature on each team, Curry and what he brings, along with his cast of three shooters. Tatum, who has been sensational in the playoffs. Butler, who has been wonderful in the playoffs, and Doncic, who has been otherworldly in the playoffs. We'll preview the NBA conference finals later. You're listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Not a horse racer. Never. Never does it seem that horse racing doesn't stop taking hit after hit after hit. And they take another hit this week. Yes, the Preakness is this week, and we'll have Brad Thomas, and we'll preview it. Because you do preview the second leg of the Triple Crown. But it shows you how important it is to have the Derby winner, because there will be no buzz, there will be no sizzle leading up to the second leg, the run for the Black Eyed Susans in Pimlico. Now, leave it far from me to ever try to manage somebody else's horse as a horse owner. I would never do that. But let me also say this. What went on here in this decision-making with the Derby winner is dead wrong. If the Derby winner was injured or sick, there's nothing to discuss. You do what's right for the horse. 
But the idea that you just decide to pass because it fits your training regimen, you just decide to, and nobody trains steak horses anymore. And that horse went into the Derby not even looking like a steak horse, to be honest with you. But he proved he was one in the Derby by winning. But the idea that you adhere to a training regimen is just wrongheaded on so many levels. With a Derby win comes glory, comes Riches comes compensation that you dream about. But with it also comes responsibility. You have to also remember that what makes the Derby great, and the Derby is great on its own merits. It's a standalone event. It is part of Americana. If there was, wasn't a Triple Crown, there is still the Kentucky Derby. It is one of the great events in America. It is a race that is known in every nook and cranny of the world. There is few events bigger than the Kentucky Derby. So it stands on its own and would stand if there wasn't a Triple Crown. But it is part of a Triple Crown, and neither the Preakness nor the Belmont are the Derby. They don't stand on their own. When they don't have a connection to the Triple Crown, and many times they don't because of performance, they are just another race. They're an exciting race. They're a fun day at the track. They're a good card, but they are just another race. And with all the money you get and all the glory you get and all the considerations you get, comes some responsibility, and that is you accept when you enter the Derby that you have accepted the challenge of trying to, if your horse is up to it, and if he is healthy, to compete for one of the toughest crowns there is, one of the most coveted crowns in all of sport, the Triple Crown, because you you know how hard it is and how Unusual it is to train horses this way. This is how it was done in the past. It is still done this way because to change it would just ruin the history of the Triple Crown and what it brings to racing. So you try to win at three different tracks, at three different distances over five weeks. To win on a derby, come back two weeks later in the Preakness, and then if you win both, come back and take the test of the champion three weeks later and try to see if your horse can live up to the greats of the game and bring that glory to the game. But when you shock the world with a horse that had only won a maiden 30 claimer and was fortunate to even be in that race, but when you shock the world and to your credit, do a great job trainer, jockey, and win the race at 80 to 1 and then abdicate the challenge. All you have is mud everywhere. All you've done is just splash the entire sport and yourselves in dirt and taken away that bit that little bit that racing carves out for itself nationally and destroyed it. 
You owe racing more than that. You owe the sport and the game more than that. Like I said, if your horse is injured, so be it. If your horse is sick, so be it. But to just pass and say, we'll get ready for the Belmont. That's not part of the deal. I understand you went into a derby without, probably without much of a chance. You weren't even in the race till Friday. You got into the race and then shocked the world. Kudos to everybody involved, to all the connections. But then to not handle it like any, any, Buddy who cares about the game would shows that you know what just weren't worthy of the honor. I'm sorry. I haven't mentioned the horse's name except to call him the Derby winner, and I won't in this podcast. That's how sickened I am by their decision. Racing needs better than that. And I can tell you this I had a horse that along with my partner, Leon Slater, that we thought had a great chance to go to the Derby this year. He, unfortunately, took a vicious fall in the prep race down in Florida, in the Fountain of Youth. Hasn't been back on the track yet to race, and we hope to have him racing in Belmont by July. And we hope to compete in the Jim Dandy and the Travis and show that we belong with those horses And maybe we will see the Derby winner. Love to do it. But if I had won the Derby this year, I would have crawled to to the Preakness. I would have done anything I could do to get my horse to the Preakness. Because that's the dream. You, you, You love the competition you love the idea of trying to do what is almost impossible to do, to run away from it, to run away from that challenge. Just means more problems for a game that unfortunately has more problems than it can deal with right now. We don't need to have the triple crown beaten up any more than it's been beaten up in the last few years. And I'm not an advocate to change it because it, to make it fit either distances that make sense or training schedules that make sense. This is the way the great horses have always done it. And in recent years, we've seen that it can be done. So with all those riches in the Derby comes some responsibilities. And this group, unfortunately, have completely, completely run away from those. And unfortunately, that's the worst thing that could have happened to the Preakness this week. We'll preview it. But you know what? Right now, it's just another race at a track that people don't pay attention to a whole lot during the year. That's just the fact of life. And there'll be very little buzz this weekend, and rightly so. It would have been a whole lot different if the Derby winner had graced Pimlico with his presence, as he should have 
if he was up to the challenge physically. And it seems like he was because they plan to race him right now in Belmont, in the Belmont Stakes. I know it fits his style. I understand that. I actually think he'll have a tough time with his style winning the Belmont because you don't win the Belmont from way back. But be that as it may, he wants to go and compete. Fine. That's the name of the game. He should have gone and competed in the Preakness. That's the game. Back with some emails after this. Want to email the Mike Francesa podcast? Drop Mike a note at mikefrancesapodcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to email us, mikefrancesapodcast at gmail.com. Keep them coming. We'll read them. Uh, Peter in Manhattan. I find it interesting that Bobby V has mentioned he feels the strike zone is too large, contributing to longer games. I'm curious what your thoughts are on trying to lower the number of pitches thrown in a game, and what role do you think the size of the strike zone plays in terms of lengthening games? Well, listen, uh, I'm, I'm, I differ with Bobby on the zone, but I do agree, as Jim Cott mentioned a couple of weeks ago, he thinks we will come to the day when they want to shorten the game and they want to also keep the pitches healthier, that they may go to three balls and two strikes. Now, two strikes is rough. It really is to have a strike out of two strikes. Three balls you can live with, but I understand the premise of trying to shorten it in that regard. I think you'd have a chance they go there more than anything else uh, as they try to shorten the game. And also, hey, if you can just find a way to keep the batters in the batter's box and teach them in the minor leagues to stay in the batter's box, make them stay in the batter's box in the minor leagues, and they come to the major leagues that way and they don't get to step out every pitch. And I've discussed this with hitters, with Ortiz, with Bernie Williams, with all different guys. And Bernie Williams, Ortiz, all of them have told me, hey, there's no way I am not stepping out in between pitches. That is my right, and I'm doing it. And Bernie said, I wouldn't even have a rhythm if I didn't do that. The point is, it elongates these in bats, and in the regular season, it's an issue. There's no question. All right, Adam is the, the emailer. With Aaron Judge surging and looking like he is going to be at the head of the uh, MVP class with Mike Trout, do you think the Yankees will cave and give him whatever money he wants at the end of the season? I hope not, for this reason. Yankees made him a very realistic order. Let him win what he wins. Let him put up a huge season. Let him do everything and then worry about it. For this reason, the Yankees should not back off. He is going to be 30 years old this year. I would not give him, I personally would not as a club give him more than six years. I'd pay him a high rate for the six years, but I don't want him at 37, 38, 39, and I don't even want to put him in the lineup and I'm paying him a fortune. I don't want those players on my team. I would be willing to take a risk that I could find another player I could pay who would be of the same ilk. I would run that risk, and I would pay him the way I want to pay him. I would not get caught having 150 or $200 million dead dollars on the back of the roster in six or seven years. That, I w- that is what I don't want at any cost. That is deadly for franchises when it happens. Okay, that's the worst thing that can happen to a franchise. Uh, Douglas in Connecticut, you mentioned shows that you want to watch, uh, and I consider Ted Lasso a must. Uh, you know what? I've heard people talk about Ted Lasso. Um, I started to watch one episode. I may give it another shot. So I know some people love it. It, it has been highly decorated. Um, so, you know, I may give it another shot. 
Uh, James, any shot dog joins the podcast as a guest. Yeah, you know, listen, I've gone on dog shows a couple of times. Uh, I can definitely get dog as a guest one time. So we will do that at an opportune time, maybe right before the football season or maybe late in the baseball season. When, when things rev up in the fall, uh, I would uh, definitely have dog over as a guest and do a whole show with him. I, I would say you can count on that. Uh, with Nesta Cortez, this is Mike, uh, with Nesta Cortez being only 27 and someone who does not throw hard, do you see him possibly becoming a staple in the back of the Yankee rotation? I don't see him becoming a staple in the back of anything. I think you are seeing him emerge as one of the premier starters in the American League and a guy who can go deep into games. He's not only giving you consistent performance, he's carrying it over innings, which is golden. So to me... I'm looking at someone who might now be coming really a gem, really a find the likes of which the Yanks haven't had in this route since maybe Iran Guidry. So I think he has a chance to become something very special. And again, heck at the back of the rotation, he can be in the front of the rotation. Alan Mineola, how would you describe Cole's time with the Yankees so far? Disappointing. I'm not a Cole fan. I didn't want to pay him. And I think he has not proved anything yet. He's not been good in big games that he's had a pitch for the Yankees so far. This is a new year. The Yankees are off to a very fair start. Okay, there won't be big games now, probably until October. The Yankees look like, especially with the added playoff levels, they're going to coast into the postseason. So as they do most years anyway, it's all about the postseason. So we'll reserve it. But I, so far, am not in any way, in any way, a Cole fan. Okay. Again, send your emails uh, to MikeFrancesaPodcast at gmail.com. Send them to Mons. We will answer them later this week. This is a big week. We will preview baseball with Bobby. We will also preview the PGA which is this weekend, will be extremely interesting. We will preview the Preakness with Brad. We will preview the Rangers, and we will preview the NBA Conference Finals. So all that coming up this week. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan, and you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli Podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.